Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this sermon and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe while you're there. Our associate pastor, Eli Hernandez, concludes his sermon on freedom today and reminds us that God has a plan for our future. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this inspiring message. Good morning, Bridgeway family and friends. I I want to first take a few minutes to thank you for the overwhelming response I had about last week's message. So many testimonies, comments, chats, shares. Man, I was complete text messages, phone calls. I was just completely blessed by your love and and your acceptance to God's word on on last week's message. And and I'm praying that God will bless you again on this day. I believe that he is able to minister, to transform your life and my life. Every single day, I am a work in progress towards the journey that God is taking me through. And so I pray that I can just, my spiritual mother says, uh, uh, preach to yourself and let everybody hear. So I'm, I'm praying right now that I'm preaching to myself and sharing with you what God is doing in my life. And hopefully, God will speak and do something to your life as well. Amen. I, I want to continue with this series that I'm doing, which is a mini series, small little series. It's the, the, the conclusion of it, which is freedom, breaking the chains that are holding you down. Last week, we've established that, that we are enslaved by whatever is controlling our lives. Is there anything controlling you? You know, whatever it is that has power over your life, uh, we, we establish that that enslaves us. And if it doesn't matter what it is, if it controls you, it owns you. And if it owns you, we are in, you, are, you and I are enslaved by it. Last week, we also established that Jesus Christ is the only source of true freedom. And I, and I want to share that because you can find all types of resources, all types of help, and by no means am I discrediting any type of help or resources that you can find. But at the end of the day, I want you to know that the true solution to whatever it is that you're going through in life, his name is Jesus. And he's able and willing to love and help and support and encourage and build you up, regardless of what it is. If it's an eating habit, he's interesting about the eating habits. If it's addictions, God is interested in your addictions. If it's anger issues, God is interested in working in anger issues. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. What is it that is controlling my life? And I want you to know that Jesus is the answer for it all. Now, I wanted to uh, go back to Galatians chapter 5, which is the verse that we, that we still, verse 1. There is a whole bunch of other verses, but I think I just want to get with what the first verse again. It says the following. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Just that verse alone, think about that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then it says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yokes 
of slavery. In other words, if God set you free already, don't go back into captivity. Don't, don't let your life and your situation get, uh, uh, control you to the point where you are back into captivity. Now, I'm not saying you may not stumble. I'm not saying you may not have issues along the way. Hey, we all have it, and he who begun a good work, and you will continue unto the day of Jesus Christ. So by no means at all am I saying that you're not going to go through trials and tribulations and issues in your life. But what I am saying is understand who sets you free and what I am saying is embrace that freedom and what I am saying continually go to the Lord for that freedom and that strength and that hope whatever he needs to get you to the other side now while Jesus came to love and care and transform every aspect of our lives that's the reality like I mentioned earlier Today's message, because of time, and, and it's just like I don't want to overwhelm you with so much information, but today's message, I will only really talk about two specific areas. Hopefully, one day in the future, you'll get to hear me again, and I'll be able to share more of what God has put in my spirit about freedom. Um, but for today, I just want to share two areas. One of the first areas that Jesus came to set us free from is religion and tradition. Ouch, that one hurts, huh? Religion and tradition. That's one of the things that Christ came to set us free from. In Galatians chapter 5, this verse that we've been reading on, it says, the apostle Paul uses the word law as the terminology used to describe religion and tradition, behavior. It is the law of the Pentateuch, or it's also called the laws of Moses, while God originally designed them to provide order in the land, the law had become a religion and a tradition to most, a mental religion and a mental tradition to most. They were so faithful. Have you heard of the time they're faithful to it religiously or they're, they're, they're whatever? So that's exactly what had become. They had taken the law and religiously started to live, live it, and, and that was the rule, and that's the way it needed to be. And at some point in life, that took control of them. Now, why, is, why did Jesus come to set us free from religion? To many, the word religion or, or, or religious is a descriptive term. It describes a person or a particular faith practice. In reality, Jesus came to set us free from all religion, including Christianity as well. Now, stop with me before you stone me. Because, because I'm not talking about the religious side of Christianity or any. I'm, th- I'm talking about the attitude of religion. He came to set us free from all religion because it is actually the appearance of godliness at the end of the day. Religion is just an appearance of spirituality. But religion by itself doesn't do anything. You don't believe me? Go to church and don't pray. Go to church and don't worship. Do whatever you have to do, and you realize that the church building doesn't do absolutely nothing. You realize that you can do, go through, read all the books or whatever, and it doesn't do that. What, what, what makes it real is the moment you let God into your heart, into your life. You let him into your soul, and you give him complete access to your situation. Then suddenly, this religious term or this religious behavior that we have becomes real, substantial, and transformational. A person can be a religious individual and not be a follower of the Lord. I know a whole lot of people like that. You can be very religious and not be surrendered to God. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So then when we talk about this, he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The danger behind religiosity is that it can actually convince you that you are a godly person, yet you are distant from God. You are religious, but you're distant from God. If you look at the, the, the Pharisees in the Bible, you will see that many of them did everything that they need to do. They knew all the rules. They knew how to talk. They knew how to dress. They knew how to act. You know, what we call Christianese. Oh, praise brother. Praise the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jehovah Jireh, and all the right terms. But what is really going on in your heart? Have that terminology really impacted your soul? Have you become real with the true meaning of Christ, the transformational power of the Lord? The Pharisees, they were so full of tradition that they couldn't do the transition. They were so full of tradition that God was moving in, a, in their way. He was moving in towards their direction, but their the religious practices and worldview did not allow them to see Jesus, that he was in front of them. Some people say, you know, the Pharisees wasn't necessarily bad people. They were just following the laws of Moses. So they were so stuck on the loss of Moses that God, the son, was in front of them and they couldn't see him. Listen, just because God moved in a certain way in your life in a particular season, it doesn't mean that that's exactly how he's moving now. God, through the Holy Spirit, is continually doing something new. If you're still stuck on yesterday's move, if you're still stuck on yesterday's anointing, the chances are... That you are religious. Listen, in the Bible, I'm going a, a, a different way. The Bible talks about this bronze serpent, the people, the, Israel, the Israelites who were rebellious towards God, and all these serpents came out, and they were killing them and destroying them. And, and, and Moses went to God, and, and in Numbers 18, it says the following. It says, Moses, uh, sorry, number 21, verse 8, it says, The Lord says to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole, Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This was beautiful. This was the move of God at that time. God said, create it. Moses created it. He says, establish it up. He established it up. The people looked at it. They were healed. They were transformed, etc. Amen. Hallelujah. Holla back. But then sometime later, if you go to 2 Kings, um, when Hezekiah reigns over Judah, this is what it says. Check, check this out. 2 Kings chapter 18. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, cut down the Assyrian poles. And this is what caught my attention. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense into it. You know what had happened? What had happened, what had happened was the, these people saw the snake, and instead of embracing it as the move of God at the time, they made it a religion. They started offering it sacrifice. They started offering it incense. 
They started to worship it. They started to do different things to it. And now Hezekiah comes and be kings. And the first thing he does is destroy that bronze serpent that at one time it was used by God to save his people. Now his people had converted into an idol. Now his people had converted it into a tradition, had converted into a religion. And God wanted to do something different in their lives. But they were so stuck in their tradition and in their religion that when Hezekiah came into the kingdom, he had to completely destroy that serpent. What are the serpents in your life that God has to destroy? What are the things in your life that have become a tradition? What are the things in your life that have become a religion? Maybe at one time God moved a certain way in your life, but now you have started to idolize the way that move of God. You have started to idolize what God has done in the past, and suddenly God is doing something new, but you cannot see it because you're stuck in a religion. You're stuck in a tradition. You're stuck in a way of thinking and God wants to free you from whatever is that way of thinking. Jesus came to set us free from all religion, from all traditions, to anything that doesn't give you a clear of the understanding of who Christ is. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He, he wants to give you a new revelation of who he is. He wants to live intertwined with you. He wants to be all up in your mix. The apostle Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. God is saying, I want to take you beyond religion. I want to take you beyond tradition. I want to take you beyond a spiritual opinion, an imitation of spirituality, an imagery of spirituality. But that is not true. And I want to take you into my presence. I want to take you into a new place. And I have to free you from that mindset so that you can experience who I am. Amen. Say that to yourself at home. Go ahead. Say God wants to relieve me, free me from religion and tradition. I'll let you think about that for a second while I sip on some water. The second area that Jesus comes to set us free from is shame, is guilt, and is condemnation. This one kind of messed with me for a little bit. Due to our human limitations and the fact that we can't predict the future, the enemy has caused us to believe in failure by making us feel guilty, shameful, and condemned. Often we carry the burden in our hearts of our decisions and our mistakes. You know what I'm talking about. When, when you make a decision and you're walking around in guilt, when you're walking around in pain, when you're walking around in sorrow and in frustration, your heart is heavy, your soul is heavy, and, and you can only see the failure that is in front of you. But scripture teaches us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So that guilt, that shame, that condemnation that you feel, Scripture teaches us that there is no condemnation. So in other words, this is something that you're feeling yourselves because God is not headed, um, throwing that feeling in your direction. This is just in your own personality, your own way. You feel a certain way about the decisions and the mistakes that you weigh. And you, the reason you do that is because you can only see what is in front of you at the time. But if, if, if we can only see what the Lord sees, our attitude will be completely different. Ephesians 1.4 says the following. For he, God, shows us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. For God chose us in him before the creation of the world. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to tell you. But if God chose you before the creation of the world, that means that he had a plan for your life. If God has a plan for you before he created the world, that means that his plan will be accomplished one way or another. Everything that God created, he created it to succeed. You don't believe me? Throw a seed in the ground and wash it, wash it bare fruit. Look at the birds. They just know how to fly. They, were, they, were, they, they are successful at what they were created for. You don't need to teach a fish how to swim. The fish comes out and he's ready to start swimming. So therefore, if God created these, uh, uh, these things to do what they need to do, wouldn't God create you to be successful and accomplish whatever he had called for your life? God and his omnipresence and in his omniscience, he saw something inside of you before the foundations of the world. And he said that it was that it was worth it. And he called it into existence with divine purpose, mission and assignment. What am I trying to tell you? What I'm saying is that your future is God's past. Think about that. Say that at home. Go ahead. Just. I don't jot it, put a hashtag, tweet it, do whatever you need to do. But say, my future is God's past. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I had set you apart. I had appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What it says is before I formed you in your womb, in the womb, before your mom and daddy had intercourse and created you, he says, I already knew you. Your mom didn't know you. Your dad didn't know you. But our heavenly father already knew you before you was even born. Why? Why? You're not a mistake. God is trying to free you from guilt. God is trying to feel you from shame. God is trying to, to free you from everything else. Remember this in Isaiah 46. This is one of my favorite verses. It's a little, just, just two verses, but I want you to stick with me for a second. Remember this. It says, remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, the things from the past, the those of long ago. I am God, and there is none other. 
I am God and there is none like me. He establishes his position first. And this is what I love. He says, I make known the end from the beginning. What he's saying is, since the very, he, he, he knew the very end of your life from the beginning of creation. From the moment you came into existence, God already knew what he was going to do in your life. Why do I share that with you in regards to shame, guilt, and condemnation? I share that with you because if you understand that you are under construction, that God has a purpose for your life, instead of walking around with that guilt, instead of walking around with that shame, instead of walking around with that condemnation, I'm not saying to not feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, go now to the floor, surrender yourself, pray, ask the Lord to come in your heart, ask him to change your situation, repent from your situation, and do whatever you need to do. Yes, I'm saying that's good, but what I am trying to tell you, Shame and condemnation and guilt is not of God. Don't walk around feeling that certain way. And on the contrary, embrace what God is doing in your life because the truth of the matter is he knows the end from the very beginning in your life. He already knows what God is going to do in you. In other words, God finished you before he started you. His plan for your life is already accomplished. God be never begins anything until he has completed it. Therefore, you shouldn't walk around in guilt and shame because one way or another, you're ultimately the glory of God. The steps of the righteous, the steps of the godly people are ordered by the Lord. Psalms 37, 23. So before you feel guilty, shamed, and condemned, and let all that stuff play mind tricks on you, remember the following. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused by his brothers. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and he was a womanizer. Rahab was the prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were young. David had an affair and committed murder. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a riddle. Joe went background. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ and the disciples felt asleep. But God had a mission for them all. God had a calling for them all. So just let me finish with one final thought. When you're feeling overwhelmed by whatever it is that you're being challenged with, take a few seconds, confess it to God. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins. Repent means turn around from it. Surrender, give it to the Lord. And the last part, repeat. God bless you, love you, and thank you for listening to me on this day. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Remember, you can learn more about Bridgeway by visiting our website at bridgeway.cc. You can watch this sermon and all of our sermons at our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe and you can download the sermon notes at the link in the description. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.